So as Chad said, we're starting um, Heart for the House campaign, and this is uh, a five-week series where we're going to unpack for us, for the church, our vision and values. Every year we want to do this in the fall as kind of a reboot, a restart for the new year. Like Chad was mentioning, you're coming off the summer, you're ready to get going, you've gotten through Labor Day and, and, and early school stuff, now let's settle in and, and commit to each other, what are we going to be about in this upcoming year? And so we've titled the series, Hard for the House, this, this year, where we're going to be looking at our Attract, Connect, Train, and Send methodology over the next four weeks. But this week, I want to talk to you about finances, okay? And uh, we're going to talk a little bit family business. And if you are a part of uh, the church, you want to pay really close attention to this because we're going to report out a little bit and then and project where we're going. And if you're visiting with us, I think you want to pay attention also because it matters how a church talks about, it, about its money. You know where a church's values are by how they use their money. You know what I'm saying? We're adults. We're family. Every family talks money. It's not good for us to not do it, to pretend like it doesn't play a role. And so I'm actually excited to share with you about what we're uh, going to be doing, how we explore what it means to be a heart, have a heart for the house together. So oh, we're going to begin by praying, and then I have a passage from... Uh, Exodus that I think will help frame our conversation this morning. Let's pray. God, thank you for how you show up in our lives. Thank you how you reveal yourself to us. You disclose yourself to us so that we might know you better. We know that we can't know you on our own terms. It has to come from you. And so God, we pray that you would reveal yourself again this morning. Remind us of your hearts so that we, we would be reminded that it is you have a heart for your own house. And we want to be the kind of people that share that same heart. And so we ask that you do this through Jesus, would Jesus be revealed this morning? We pray it in his name. Amen. Okay, so let's talk a little bit. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about what it means to have a heart for the house. And this p- passage comes, the story I'm going to share with you comes from Exodus chapter, chapter 35. And it's the story, here's an interesting, here's the backstory of this. It's uh, Moses has led Israel, God's people, out of Egypt and they've been in the wilderness. And now it's time for them to kind of begin to put down roots and think about what it looks like for God's presence to show up in their midst and how can God be amongst them. And God desires to tabernacle in their midst. And so God wants to build a house. And he, he, he puts the call out to his people. He says, hey, I have a heart for my house. And that it would look a certain way and have certain characteristics. And I, and and I want to be with you. I want to dwell in your midst. And so I invite you to participate and partner with me in the building of this tabernacle that God wants to create. And so the story goes like this. Then Moses said to the whole community of Israel, This is what the Lord has commanded. Take a sacred offering for the Lord. Let those who, with generous hearts present the following gifts to the Lord. Gold, silver, bronze, blue, purple, and scarlet thread, fine linen and goat hair for the cloth, tanned ram skins and fine goat skin leather, acacia wood, olive oil for the, uh, the lamps, spices for the anointing oil and the fragrant incense, onyx stones and other gemstones to be set in the ephod and the priest's chest piece. And then he goes on. So the whole community of Israel left Moses and returned to their tents. All whose hearts were stirred and whose spirits were moved came and they brought their sacred offerings to the Lord. They brought all the materials needed for the tabernacle, for the performance of its rituals, and for the sacred garments. Both men and women came, all whose hearts were willing. They brought to the Lord 
their offerings of gold. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I, I left you guys behind. I'll let you read that real quick. Okay, then the Lord, uh, uh, then it goes on and it says this. The Lord has gifted, uh, goodness, Bezaliel and Oliab. Anyways, the builders. These were artisans, craftsmen that had been uniquely positioned, uh, as Moses had said earlier, to do this work, to build this tabernacle, tabernacle. The Lord has gifted them and the other skilled craftsmen with wisdom and ability to perform any task involved in building the sanctuary. Let them construct and furnish the tabernacle just as the Lord has commanded. So Moses summoned um, these two dudes <laughs> and all the others who were specially gifted by the Lord and were eager to get to work. Moses gave them the materials donated by the people of Israel as sacred offerings for the completion of the sanctuary. Everyone tracking with me so far? Okay. And then here it goes this, like this. But the people continued to bring additional gifts each morning. Finally, the craftsmen who were working on the sanctuary, they left their work... And they went to Moses and reported, the people have given more than enough materials to complete the job the Lord has commanded us to do. So Moses gave the command, and this message was sent throughout the camp. Men and women, don't prepare any more gifts for the sanctuary. We have enough. So the people stopped bringing their sacred offerings. Their contributions were more than enough to complete the whole project. Now that's a good story. Would it be that we could say the same thing? I pray that one day we say the exact same thing. One fall, we're standing up here sharing Heart for the House initiative, and we're saying, okay, you did enough. We've done, we're, we have more than enough to accomplish what God has put before us. But I'm going to say this this morning. We haven't done it yet. And so we're going to talk a little bit about what it looks like to have a heart for the house. And in order for us to do that, we need to talk a little bit about what it means to, what it means to have stores for the storehouse. Uh, as we were preparing these themes over the Heart for the House campaign, we thought of the image of the storehouse because it's out of the storehouse in which stuff is accomplished in the community. And so we looked at this story as, as a story. This is what's great about the Bible. You don't just look at the Bible as if, like, this is something that happened. Well, isn't that nice? We're looking at the story of Scripture because we know that we, as followers of Jesus, as partners and participants in his life, have a stake. We are part of the history of God's working with his people. And so when we look at the story of Israel, we, go, we recognize the kindred spirits. We go, gosh, you know the things that they, God was teaching them and that they were learning together as they walked and journeyed with him? Maybe it's good for us to learn those same lessons. Maybe we need to be a part of that story as well. Maybe that same God is showing up in our lives and asking similar questions of us. It's not a one-to-one correlation, but the imagery there is is profoundly important. And so what does it look like for us to tabernacle, to provide space for God to tabernacle in our midst, to be a part of what's going on here and for us to participate in what he's doing? So we're looking at the storehouse as imagery for what it means to replenish the supply so that out of that abundance we can do what God's called us to do. We need stores for the storehouse. 
But in order for us to appreciate what that looks like, we need to talk a little bit about the budget. And, and, here, and like I said, we're adults. And so we need, if we're not willing to talk about money, then what are we doing? We're not really that close. Every family talks about money. And so what I wanted to share with you is a little bit about um, where we've come from. Some of you have only been here for the last year or two. And so you, don't, you might not know this story, but I'm going to put it all out there. Over the last seven years, we've been in a bit of decline. Uh, not just in attendance, but also in income, in, in terms of giving. Uh, over, the, over five years, you can see the trend, the trend line, from 2009 down to 2014. Now, here's what's interesting. At 2015, uh, we began to stabilize in, uh, in 2015 and 2016. And I don't think it's just a coincidence that's when Chad came and took over lead pastor here. I want to talk to you about what has happened. So as, as the numbers have declined, also giving has uh, declined. That's just natural to understand that. And so we had to, we, we needed to, when we came in two years ago, we needed to make some choices. We needed to figure out how can we stabilize this, uh, this community and what we're a part of. And so what's cool, to, what I can say today, which is I, I want to give glory to God about this, is over the last two years we have stabilized. And in fact, we have more than enough to continue to maintain as we currently are. Like this community has supported and given in such a way, and we've created enough systems in place that are appropriately balanced that we are now, we're no longer in decline. And I, I feel really good and confident that I can say that to you today. And there's two reasons why that's taken place. The first is to your own credit and to all of our credit. If you look at the average tithe per person, uh, you can't quite see it. I wish you could. Um, it, the screen kind of clipped it off. But at, uh, in 2000, you see the average tithe uh, on a yearly basis stays about the same. Regardless of numbers of the church, you can see that, generally speaking, everyone was given about the same amount, right? From year to year. But then look at what happened in 2015. It bumps up. And everyone starts giving a little bit more. And the same is true for 2016 as we currently are. And so one, thing I, one aspect for why we've stabilized in these last two years is because the, the church, us, we started giving a little bit more per person. That's a beautiful thing. Here's another thing, though, that factors into that stabilization. And it has to do with our ministry investment plan. This is what we call our budget. It's a fancy name for our budget. But, but it, it says something about our values when we talk about it as ministry investment plan. Our budget isn't just dollars and cents. This is how we want to use money to make investment for the sake of ministry. Do you see that? And if you look at 2014, you can see that the overwhelming majority of our uh, finances were going towards personnel. Do you see that? 48%. Paying staff, okay? The next is 36% covering our facilities. That was our plan two years ago in 2014. Now look at 2016. Look at how we've changed it. Now, instead of 48% staff, it's 27% staff and personnel. The same 30, 36% now to 35% for facilities. And what I'm ex- most excited about is if you look over in the first, in, in 2014, you see 5% was going towards ministry. If you look in 2016, 15% is going to ministry. You also look at um, the increase 
10% is going in tithe in both departments, but now you see a 9% increase in missions and giving. Okay? That's a ministry investment plan. And, and so the other aspect for how we've stabilized over the last two years, I have to say, we ha- it, it, the credit goes to the leadership that Chad has brought to this church. And I'm grateful for his leadership and his wisdom. Because what he's been doing is he's been shifting our model. He's moving our model away from a staff-centric, staff-supported ministry where you pay people to do the work. Do you see? To a more missional model where we pay people to be leaders who help equip and produce teams of the church who do work together. Do you see the difference? In the former model, we paid people to take care of things. And isn't that convenient when you could do that? Isn't that great if you can just pay everyone to do all the work for you? But, then there's a, but, but that's not necessarily a call to mission. When we're the church, we're called to participate in what God's doing. And so we've moved intentionally away from a staff-focused ministry model to a missional model. Where less and less of our money is going towards staffing. And more and more of it as, as we... And this is, we're not... We're not content with that, you know. Uh, obviously, the, it's, the facilities is a fixed income that we have to deal with. But more and more, we want to invest in ministry and in mission and in our community and tithing back to our larger organization, Foursquare uh, uh, Denomination, and participating. We have vision, folks. And we want everyone to be on board with that vision. So this is what it means to store up stores for the storehouse. Is to, is to, one, increase in, in the percentage of our giving, but also to shift our models so that we make better use of where our money goes. Because it's the money that God is, is pouring out of us that God's using to work and to do a work here in North Rock. Okay, so here's our, my contention. We have a new generation. And this is something that we've been paying attention to for the last two years, but especially in the last six, eight months, I would say. What, I'm, what I mean by this, I think there's a new generation that God's raising up in our, in our community. Part of why I resonate with the stories from Exodus and, and uh, Judges and Joshua is for a while now, our last two years, we've been looking at how we are kind of moving from one situation to a new situation, one model to a new kind of model, one approach and philosophy for ministry to a new approach and philosophy for, for ministry. And so we've resonated as a leadership team. We've been looking at these stories of Joshua and Caleb. We've preached into those a bit here at the church about how we're crossing over into a new era, new, a new generation's being raised up. And we res- resonate with the story of God's people and a new generation that takes the promised land. We think that the, uh, this is the generation that's taking the promised land for the new season in North Rock's life. But to say that, to talk about a new generation, I think we also have to recognize that we stand on the backs and the shoulders of those who have come before us. Part of why we're still here and doing as well as I can say we're doing in the last two years is because of the faithfulness of the generation that has come before. And they've been carrying this thing. They've been carrying it in ministry. They've been carrying it in prayer. They've been carrying it in service. And they've been carrying it with their money. We stand here today because on the sh- we stand on the shoulders of those who've gone before. But I know that uh, many of you, if, in fact, if you look around in this room, I would be willing to guess that at least 50% of this room has started coming to this church within the last two years. 
Isn't that interesting? Now, you might, if you're one of those people, you might easily think of yourself as the newbie, right? As someone on the outside looking in. Or someone, kind of, there's this fellowship that already exists, and you're kind of circling, engaging, questioning, going, wow, this is kind of cool. I feel like I belong, but I'm the new person. Well, what I'm here to say is you're not the outsider in this situation. If it's true that a new generation is being raised up, then you're the missing link to what's going on. You're here because God's got you here. And, and you're a part of this thing. In fact, you're not on the periphery. You're right at the heart of it. What, we're, what we're, we've come to realize and what we're starting to believe, we're really believing. It's easy to talk one way, but then uh, think a different way. I'm telling you, I'm saying, if you're here in the last two years, you're at the core of this thing. What's going on? That's not to dismiss everyone who's been holding on for the la- for before that. No, but we're being grafted together into this new people on which God's doing a new work. I, I sat and I looked up at our worship team this morning, and every single person up here on the stage has started coming to this church in the last two years, serving and giving their gifts and engaging in, in love and community and friendship. That's the story of what God's doing here at North Rock. I really believe this. A new generation's being raised up. And that's not dismissing the past, but it's saying, hey, we got something now to take, some new lands to conquer. We can't keep leaning on what we used to do and where we used to be and what we, you know, you know what I'm saying? There's land, there's ground to be taken. There's battles to be fought, victories to be won. And we want to do it together. And so when we're talking about a new generation, we have to say then we have a vision for what God's calling us to. This vision, have you ever heard the, uh, the, the line from Proverbs, where there is no vision, the people perish? It's true, I think, it's true. And let me just tell you something, we have vision for our church. We have vision. I'm here because of the vision we have for North Rock. I'm not here for any other reason than that. Well, maybe except friendship with Chad. <laughs> but here, like, I really believe in what we are starting to dream here. This is my church. And what we're dreaming for North Rock is this. That North Rock is in a particular position, a particular place and situation within our district, within our city boundaries and, and so on and so forth, within our resources and our, our, our connections and, and our leadership to be what we would call a resource church. What do I mean by that? We have a vision for North Rock to become so healthy, so vibrant, so much stores in the storehouse that we can begin the, a movement of other churches and we can support new models of ministry, new models of mission, new kinds of ways in which the church can advance into new territory with new peoples, with people who would never even come to a place like this but need to hear the good news of Jesus. The world is changing, and it's changing rapidly, and that means the church is changing too. And we think we're strategically positioned to be the kind of church that isn't just focused on building up itself, but is focused on building itself up so it might give itself and support all these other different ventures. There's a lot of creative leaders, a new generation of young people who are thinking creatively about what church can look like. I can tell you for myself, someday I'm going to tell my story of some of the dreams that God's put in me regarding this. But let me just say, I know that as I'm dreaming about that, Integral to that dream is to be backed and supported by a church like North Rock that has a vision to be a resource church 
and to really expand the kingdom of God in this area. So this is what we want to do. This is the dream that's in us. But not just that. Specifically, we have dreams for this next year. Four in particular. If you look in your plan that we've handed out, you'll find Acts initiatives. These are four things that we want to focus in the next year. And those have to do with our next generation. We have a dream for the next generation and what it can be and and how God is going to use that next generation. And we want to use our next generation ministries to reach out, equip, identify, disciple, and build up new leaders for this new generation. So we have specific ideas and dreams related to our next generation. We want to build a healthy and vibrant group of young people that are engaging their world uh, from the perspective of Jesus in them. We also have a dream for community. We want to start 25 new community groups here at North Rock. And we were already on our way. Just this last month, we launched 10 new groups related to our community Bible experience. But that's not enough. We want to have... 25 groups by the end of the year where everyone's engaging in life-giving, mutual Christian friendship and fellowship, doing life on life, and blessing those that they come across their way, doing mission and ministry together as a church in our homes, in our neighborhoods, with our friends. We're all looking for tribes, people that we can support each other and journey through life together. And we want to, here at Northbrook, we want to help facilitate and make that happen. We also have actually, listen, this is practical, but we also have a vision for our facilities. You know this facility, this this house that we meet in? It requires work for upkeep. And so we, we have, like I've said, we've got more than enough to cover our bills and pay our bills right now. But we would love to make some improvements. We have vision for what we can do to make a facility that is beautiful and aesthetically pleasing, but is also functional and being put to use all the time. So that we're not just benefiting from it, but our whole community, our whole neighborhood, our whole city is experiencing the benefit of that. And when you're letting people use it, and when you're using it to that kind of degree, it requires work and upkeep and maintenance. And so we need to set aside money to do that, right? And to make those kinds of improvements uh, like you do with your home. But also we need to create teams. We need people with a vision, an eye, a heart for the house to to care for our facilities. Put together teams to do that. We're not going to just pay people to do that. We we can't do that anymore. Like Chad said, and, and when he was saying this about the church, I really think it was prophetic. Not just about this specific church, North Rock but also for the church in general. I remember him him sitting in our staff meeting as we were redeveloping and making some tough decisions about staffing and about our our ministry investment plan. Chad said, and I'm going to paraphrase, it went like this. We can no longer afford to pay people to do good work. The church can no longer afford to do that. Not North Rock, not the church in general. We're going to pay people to build teams of teams of people who are going to build work. We need leaders. And if that doesn't resonate with you, I don't know what does. That's the future. That's where we're going. And so we need teams of teams of people who are engaged in and equipping and building out our facility. This is go- the facility is going to be one of our focuses over the next year. Okay? Where we all take ownership for it. Where when you see a piece of trash on the ground, rather than walking by, you pick it up and you throw it away. Right? Where you see the bathroom is a little bit out of whack, invested in making it look a little bit better. Where we're seeing light bulbs out 
We say, we ask, how can I fix that? Can I volunteer some time to replace the light bulb? Do you see what I'm saying? We all need to own this together. And finally, we have vision for our ongoing missions endeavors. You know, we've, been, we've consistently uh, been committed to that in our missionary endeavors, trips to Honduras. To, we're going to be doing one to Alaska. We've got support of Bangladesh. But here's another thing. We are committed as a church to plant other churches. Even within the last two years, as we've been trying to stabilize everything, we've planted two churches. You're never going to get... We were talking about this at the, um, at the conference this last week up in Keystone where all the churches from, from uh, Foursquare in our gateway district came and were being built up and encouraged. And what we heard again and again and again when it came to church planting is it's always, there's always a, a reason to say, well, let's wait on church planting until we are built up enough. But you can always say that. There's always a reason to say that. If it's a value, if it's a commitment that you have, then you do it, and you do it, and you do it again. And you guys need to know, if you're going to be a part of what's going on here, we're planting churches. And we're going to do it and do it and do it again because we're going to be a resource church. And we're not just planting them, we're going to care for them. We're going to support them. We're going to build them up and we're going to train them because that's what we think God is doing here in the North Glen, Thornton, and Denver metro area. So we have vision. Next Gen community, our facilities and our ongoing mission, missionary extensions. Well, let me just say this. So let me just say this. So then the question, the, the whole point of this Heart for the House initiative is to you to partner with uh, the North Rock in this vision. To partner. You're a part of it. It's real easy for me to do this, and I, and I want to confess this right now, okay? Because if you've heard this, this is not my heart. It's easy for um, for for us all to use language like we and you, right? Or us and them, or the leadership and the rest of the church, or whatever. Let me just be really clear. The leadership of this church is not the church. We are the church, together. Now, God has called leaders from out of his community to help lead and to equip the saints for the work of ministry. But we all have to be in it together. We have to own this thing together. And so if you have entrusted us, the staff and the other leadership, with to be your pastors and to have vision and to equip, we, were, we want to invest in our church together. So we have vision. This is the vision. You can look at it. We're going to be talking about it over the next four weeks in church. But we have vision for this community. And so now the ask is that you partner with us. And there's three ways that we talk about partnership and what it means to be here at North Rock, okay? The first is to pray, partnering in prayer. Commit yourself to these things, to praying for these things that we've been talking about. Take that pamphlet home. Put it on your refrigerator or whatever you do with things that you want to keep at the forefront of your mind. And as you're praying, remember to pray for your church and your pastors and the leadership in general and for everything that's going on here. And pray that God would show you how you are to be partnering with North Rock. Secondly, you need to serve. We all need to be engaged in some kind of service. Now, some of that just looks as simple as showing up regularly. Can I just say this? Okay, I'm, I, I just, I'm going to say it right now. You're going to get mad at me, 
But it's love, and we're going to talk about it sometime down the road. I promise I'll preach on this. You need, you need to be here instead of wa- at home watching the football game. No, I, I, like, I don't need the, the clap stuff. You know, like, this is your church. Let's keep our priorities number one. Okay? So show up. Be present. What did Will, Woody Allen say? 80%, 80% of life, success in life, is just showing up. Just show up. Let's serve together, okay? Second, be on a team. The best way you get plugged into community is when you serve on a team. And you feel so good about it because you're doing something good. And Debbie preached into this so well last week. If you weren't here last week, you need to go home afterwards and go listen to her message because we need to be serving together. And, and as we do it, see, that's how community happens. You don't just say like, hey, let's start and create community. You say, let's go do something and do it together. And as we're doing it, community happens. So find your niche. Try it out. You might, it might take you a while to try on different things. But everyone's needed. You're the missing link. Everyone's needed on board. So serve in some capacity. Maybe go after service today. Meet with me in the back. We'll go upstairs and we'll talk about... Uh, ACTS and go through the class together. But serve some way. And then we ask you to give. To give. And here's what I mean specifically. Not just give consistently with your tithes and your offerings. Okay? I'm talking about a special sacrificial gift. That's what the Heart for the House campaign is all about. Do you, like I've told you, we've got, we've, we're good. Like we're not speaking here. We're not calling for financial giving out of a place of need. Right? We can maintain like this for a good long while. We've got plenty of a buffer now. We're, we're good in that sense. But do we really want to just maintain? Or do we want to go for it? Do we want to take some ground? What could happen if we filled up the storehouse with more than enough? And, and, and it's almost like God's saying, test me. What could we report back on next year that happened if we went all in in that kind of way. It's almost like God saying, test me. In fact, he does say it. What happened? Uh. <laughs> Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. God says to his people, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in the temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open up the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. It's, he's asking us to test him. Like, what would it look like if we did? It would look like faith. And I think in doing that, he's kind of testing us as well. See, in 2 Corinthians, it says this. I do not say this as a command, but I am testing the genuineness of your love against the earnestness of others. For you know the generous act of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. This is the heart of the gospel. Love poured out for the sake of others. Self-emptying, sacrificial love for others. And that means even our money even our money. So here's what I'm going to put before us then. Over the next four weeks, we're going to talk about this. We're going to talk about, we won't talk about money per se. Today was the money talk. We're going to talk about our visions and our values, what it means to be North Rock here. But over this next month, will you pray 
for making a third uh, sacrificial gift, a, a, a sacrificial tie that it says in the text that we read at the beginning of the day. I like to think of it as like a 13th month. You know, we all give 12 months a year in tithes and offerings. But what would it look like for us to take a 13th month and put it on top to store up stores in the storehouse so that we can do our mission and our vision and our values? Would you consider doing that as a family? Pray about it. Talk about it. Think it through. But I'm going to (laughs) ask because I think that's what God's called us to do together because we're a church. We're his body. So we're going to close right now. Uh, Ben, I should have brought you guys up a little bit earlier, but we're going to close. Let me pray for us as we prepare to close with a a song. God, we trust you with this. We thank you that we can be honest with each other, that we recognize that it's not all about money, but we also recognize that you talked a lot about money. And so so if we're going to be a true family together, we'll do this every once in a while. And we pray that... Um, it would go beyond just words, that it would move into action. We pray that, that we would test you and see what you do with us. God, I pray for next fall when we do Heart for the House. I pray that we can report back the amazing things that you did through us this last year. That's my prayer. And so we worship you and we give you thanks because we know that you did so much more for us. You were the generous one from the beginning. Help us to have a heart for you and a heart for your house. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, I'd just uh, like to show appreciation for Pastor Andrew's word today. Can Can we tell him thank you? You know, talking about money, even though we know it's the thing that we need to do and that Jesus talked about it and it's important, because it reflects some of the life values that God gives us. It's always a difficult thing to do. So I wanted to say thanks to Pastor Andrew for that. Um, but, I, but I also wanted to just take a few minutes and, and uh, as the lead pastor here in North Rock, um, share a little bit of just a glimpse of what I'm going to be talking about over these next couple of weeks, sharing some stories and some values from our church. Um, but I knew two years ago God had called me back to be the lead pastor here. Uh, for a couple of reasons. One is, is I, I really love the church. I mean, I really do. I love the church. I love his house. I love a place of worship where people's lives are being poured into. But you know what, guys? I, I don't just love the church, metaphorically speaking, or in general. I, I love this church. I love the way that God's put a spiritual DNA in this church to serve and to love and to lead. And the confidence that I have, I mean, you guys saw some of our uh, really encouraging graphics up there, right? It's like, all right, Lord, so you're saying there's a chance, right? There's a chance. And the reason there's a chance is because we know that Jesus builds his house. And then when we put the church's focus on his vision, not my vision, his vision, it calls all to participate, right? So, you know, Andrew, I love his paraphrase of that conversation. The conversation he's reflecting on was the first conversation I had with the existing staff when I got here. And, you know, they're throwing a party for me. They're like, yes, Chad's back. Woo-hoo, high five. And so very first meeting, that's what we said. I said, listen, so I'm really thankful for the work you're doing. Keep doing everything that God's called you to do. Run the race that God's given you to run. It says, my job is to help activate the rest of the body. Why? Because that's God's vision. That's Ephesians chapter 4, right? That he would raise up apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists, shepherds, right, in order to 
equip the body, right? To equip the body to do the work that they're called to do. That says, so that's my job is to help get everybody else on mission with us. That says, and this time next year, we're going to have a lot more part-time and volunteer people sitting at this table. And it's like they only... But to their credit, to their credit, uh, they have served as faithfully, if not more faithfully than they ever have. And so for that, I'm, I'm thankful. And so I say all of that just to simply say that God is building a good house here. And that anytime he does something new in a history of a church, you have an ebb and then you have the flow. You have the dip and then you have the rise. We have the opportunity to be in the house, in his house, when it goes like this. Isn't that a good thing, church? That that he's calling us to participate in him building and rebuilding for the future. And so I know that we take a risk when we say it's a new generation. I know we take a risk when we say uh, we're crossing over. That's not to say that those who have gone before us are no longer necessary. Please, please, please hear me on that. It takes all to see a God-sized vision accomplished. And I can tell you, we have a God-sized vision. We have vision not just for this city, not just for this state, not just for this community, but for the entire world where we can do and be what God's called us to do if, if we will hear and bring our gifts, our very lives into his storehouse. Amen. So I know I'm preaching a little bit. I know uh, that's not uh, what we need to do right now. We need to close the service. Okay. But it got me all excited. I mean, it is exciting when the vision that God has given me is, can be spoken by somebody else. And I want to say, Andrew, thank you for being a first follower. Uh, one of the first people to jump on the board and say, let's go for it. Um, but, but just like I said, God calls us not to just love the world, metaphorically speaking. He calls us to love them specifically. He calls us to love not just the church, metaphorically speaking but an actual participation in the body of Christ here. So, so in that same way, uh, the reason that we gather as a church is the reason that we're going to pray this prayer right now. Uh, so maybe you're here today and you say, Pastor Chad, I've not been that interested in this church because I don't really know anything about it. I'm just here because I need Jesus. Can I just tell you the reason that we're here is to help lead you to Jesus because that's what the church is for. Okay, and so we're going we're gonna to pray a prayer that we pray around here every week so that you don't have to just love God metaphorically speaking. You can love him intentionally and specifically. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, I invite you into my life. I believe that you died on the cross for my sin and that you rose from the grave three days later. I receive forgiveness for every failure and sin in my life and give to you the right to direct my life from this day forward. I dedicate myself to It's good. Let me hear you. Good. I pray and we trust. Amen, amen, amen. Amen, yeah. Hey, just a couple of quick reminders, okay? We have prayer available at the, the front if, if we can pray with you for any reason, any need in your life. Second, be sure if you have not yet been baptized to sign up. We've got a great baptism coming up in two weeks. And thirdly, Pastor Andrew is going to be back here in the back corner to talk a little bit more about what ACTS is all about. Promise you won't be more than a half an hour, but it'll help you find the next connection points in the body of Christ here at North Rock, okay? So let's pray and I'll dismiss. Father God, in Jesus' name, we thank you for your love and your life that's in our midst. We thank you that it's you who gives us your very self and that you have good plans to prosper 
and to uh, move us forward, both individually and collectively as your body, as we lean into the life that you've given us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Hey, have a great day. Thank you for being here at North Rock. We love you guys. Thank you for listening to this North Rock resource. To find out more information about North Rock Church, check us out at www.northrockchurch.com.